You're listening to The Life of Tri. It's triathlon for your ears. Well, we are live from the Kristen Bustos podcast studio. Phil Rockner and my man Kevin McKinnon, who is paddling the triathlon canoe with me once again this week. Kevin, greetings. You have to bring up Christian Bustos, right? Like he's the guy who beat me. He won my age group in Kona in 87. I was second. And I think like I was so out of it, I pretty much just sort of told him to go ahead down the finishing chute. You had to bring that one up. <laughs> Do you know what? You know, um, dog's upset about it. Well, he should be. You let's. We'll get to your dog in a second. Um <laughs> Seriously, you, my friend, you're a good-looking man. There is no doubt you're a good-looking man. You've got the feathers all perfect every time you, you take a photo. You're a good-looking unit, Kevin McKinnon. But your dog is, oh, hashtag dogs of Insta. I mean, wow, that's a good-looking mutt. Oh, it is frightening, isn't it? Yeah, he's uh, exceedingly photogenic. And, yeah, there's a reason I put him up on uh, Facebook and Instagram all the time and not me. There is a reason. I've got a exactly. face perfect for radio. <laughs> uh, it's If you don't know what we're talking about, get onto Kev's Insta and you will see a glorious hound uh, gracing the pages. Mm. Good dog. Now, uh, Kristen Bustos, back to him. For those kids listening at home who don't know what – shame on you. The guy was uh, a very, very powerful athlete way back when. And he might have been, who was the guy he pushed? Was it Mark Allen he ran out with? Mark Allen pushed Mark Allen right to the line one year, uh, second in Kona. Mm. Didn't hear much from him outside of that. but uh, Well, he had a horrible, I mean horrible, uh, bike uh, bike crash in a race. Like got taken out by a Jeep. Yep. Um, and uh, like it was quite an amazing comeback for him just to be able to get back to racing. Yeah. So yeah, it was uh yeah, really cool guy. Hmm. The um thinking back to that, there was uh, Aussie quartet back in the eighties who went across to America and basically they were the guys who were blazing trails for the Australian athletes. It wasn't always just the case of, you know, ship yourself over to Boulder and, and get started. Um the first wave of athletes would have been the Brad Bevan uh, and this is your vintage, Kevin. Brad Bevan. Uh, yeah. I want to mention him and Greg Welsh and uh, Simon Skillicorn, for those who can remember who he is, and also Steve Foster, who's another one who you might have come across in your time. Yeah, so well, so Brad and uh, Greg, of course, raced a lot more internationally. Um, so you know, we saw we saw a lot of them. I'm I don't think I would have ever raced against Steve Skillicorn. Skillicorn. Uh, not a name that I remember at all, but um, yeah, Brad and uh, and Welchy, um, I think it was maybe 1990. Um, they came over for a couple of events here at at, at what was then the um, uh, oh, it, was, it became the Subaru Triathlon Series, and it wasn't the Royal Page at that point. It was uh, it had a different title sponsor and. I remember uh, we were racing in a place called Grimsby and uh, Welchy just, we had to ride up the escarpment. It's a really steep, steep climb at one point. And 
Welchy just danced away from everybody going up the hill, including Brad Bevan, and uh, was never to be seen again for the rest <laughs> of the race. It was just unbelievable. So he, um, that was very cool. Steve Foster was, he was third at the Worlds in, I reckon, 90 or 91. Um, really good athlete. And the reason I say that, because I, I, I heard his name mentioned at a race the other day that I was at, someone said they'd met him. And they didn't really know who he was. I'm like, dude, let me just give you some info here. Um, <laughs> yeah. Massive car accident too. They mentioned like same with Kristen Bustos, like huge car accident. It was sidelined. And he used to write the back page of Australian Triathlete magazine like years ago. And it was always written from his hospital bed. And when I first got into the sport, he'd just done that. So I only ever knew him as um, a guy who um, had done that and hurt himself. And made a comeback, got to the, you know, the top end of the sport, podiumed on the, I think podiumed on the, um, or close to podium at the Worlds, and then uh, and then kind of sort of checked out of the pro life. But um, still coaching, still coaching now. Um, and yeah, still going strong from what I understand. So is Spot Anderson. You might remember him. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, Spot Anderson, of course. The other one was Greg Stewart. Now, no one knows, you wouldn't know who Greg Stewart is. Most Australians don't. Yeah, no, I know, I know Greg Stewart. And wasn't uh, Greg Stewart's dad a coach? Uh, that was Miles Stewart you're thinking of. And oh, Kyle. Miles Stewart, okay. Yeah, so Miles Stewart was a beast. We know that. He was um, CEO of Triathlon Australia for a time. Um, and Miles was phenomenally – he was a former like rollerblader or something like that or ice skater or something like that, but a very good athlete. And Coley's dad had a squad up there that was lethal as well. Got but it. Greg Stewart. Greggy Stewart was a local boy down near me, Kev. He lives, um, I think he lives around the corner from me, to be honest. Um, I don't obviously see him a lot. But he was third in Kona overall behind Scott and Allen in 19, I'm going to say 87, it might have been. So. Oh, wow. Okay. And then Welchie. So Welchie ended up, he was um, fifth in our age group with Christian and I in 87. And then yep. in 89, Welchie was third overall yes. in Kona. Yes. And that was the first Aussie on the podium behind Greg Stewart. So Greg Stewart did it in 87. Ah, got it. Yeah. Okay. Like wild, right? Like you walk past the guy and like, you know, no one would know who he is. Of course, triathlon has no profile, especially from 40 years ago. But um, yeah, certainly what a guy. And, and, you know, last I heard still snapping legs on the bike. So, oh, awesome. yeah, it's cool. There's yeah. some really, really good stories, um, early days about a lot of really good triathletes and, you know, even guys like Whitfield and Lessing and, you know, like those guys were phenomenal, phenomenal athletes. And you kind of feel like we haven't seen or heard from them, you know, Hamish Carter as well, who was in that, you know, early, late nineties, early, you know, two thousands, um, that whole cadre of, athletes were were just so hardcore and so hard at their racing. I don't think people realize too how much Greg Welsh actually raced. In his book, if you read his book, it's like Heart of a Champion or something like that. Really worth a read. Oh, it's a great, yeah, great yeah. read. Yeah, you don't yeah. get how much he he bloody raced. He raced so often. It was mental how much he did. Yeah, and what was truly amazing was just how – versatile like you know yeah people forget that were it not for um his heart attack uh that he had in Kona I believe it was 99 right um yeah. you know and and 
still finished. If he wasn't in the top 10, he was like 11th or 12th. Um, but, you know, he probably spent, I, I think that, I think it was five or six minutes just on the side of a, of a surfboard during the swim and then had to stop during the bike. Cause he kept having, basically he was having heart attacks all the way through Kona um, and still finished like super high up. Um, yeah. you know, people don't realize that going into the 2000 Olympics, he was the hands down favorite. Yeah. Like he was dominating um the you know what was then itu um racing scene back then mm. so um yeah a guy frighteningly talented athlete and an even nicer person that's what's so annoying um yeah. you know like not only you know one of the best athletes you'll ever see in your life but just such a super nice guy um yeah had it all for sure Oh, hundred percent. all, I should say. Yeah, he's a genius, um, and and loved by everybody in the sport. And and Welshy can say things in a press conference that you wouldn't dare say, but he says it with the Welshy grin and just gets away with it. Ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, used to do. Uh, used to do an Ironman Life podcast with him uh, yep. back in my Ironman days, and yep. you know, that was just one of the highlights of my week. Just getting to to chat with Welshy. Sure. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And I did a couple of Ironman lives with him as well um, in Melbourne and that. And you know what? I'll tell you one thing he always said to me. He said to me, Phil, he goes, people don't want to see us. People have no interest in us. And I, I go, that's, he goes, they want to see what's happening. So the less time the camera's on us, the more time the camera's on the athletes, that's how, that's how we should be shooting this thing. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I was like, oh man, you know, I mean, that's exactly what Welsh is. It's all about athletes, not about him. Um, and you're right. Look, he's a ripping bloke and fun as hell. Fuck, oh, geez, ever go if you ever get to go out with him, it's an appearance. I tell you. <laughs> oh, well. And coming back to that '87 race, um, there was a Canadian party after the event, um, and I think it was Molson um, had like somehow Les McDonald had convinced Molson to you know get a bunch of Canadian like beer yep. in for this thing and. Uh, and Les McDonald invited Welchy and and I guess Greg Stewart and the rest of the Aussie crew in, and um, all the Canadians just sat there and watched these Aussie Aussie guys just an, annihilate our beer so our beer collection. It was unreal. <laughs> Do you know what? Um, and that would have been the Bentleys would have been there. There would have been um, the Southwall crew. There would have been that rat bag mob from the Shire would have been up there. I'm not talking about Hobbit either people. They are the Shire in uh, New South Wales. Macca was part of that group. Crowey was in that group later on. And yeah, they were a fun, fun love. The Southwell boys were ridiculous. They were known for their partying after the big dance in Hawaii. So yeah. plenty of good times well, there, Welchie, Kevin. Uh, Welchie was partying so hard after when he won in 94, he uh, fell off a bar and broke his, uh, broke his wrist. <laughs> The uh, the night of the award ceremony in Kona. Not sure if we're supposed to tell that story, but classic. I love it. Um, hey, some big news come out this week. Um, let's move on to triathlon because we could sit here and reminisce about the old days for a while. Because Kevin and I like sitting the, in our the older chair. we get, the better we were, right? Oh, do you know what? The the older I get, the less I can remember how crap I really was. So you're right. Um, I didn't climb to the lofty heights you did. Hey, how good is this? PTO uh, European Open in Ibiza. Are we calling it Ibiza? Ibiza. Is that yeah. how we're doing it? Ibiza. 
Ibiza. Now, now Ibiza, if I get me correct, now you know more about the party scene than I do. Uh, surely Ibiza is a place where you, it's more known for uh, its recreational activities than actual athletic activities. Uh, yeah, you know, never been there, but I sure hear that uh, it is it is party central. But they've they've hosted a bunch of world championships over the years, and and some pretty um, some pretty major races. So um, yeah, totally fitting that um, we've got the um, the PTO European Open opening with a bang. In Ibiza, it's in uh, conjunction with the World Multisport Championships, which is the you know World Triathlons event there. So they have it's like five World Championship events over ten days. So you've got the cross and um, uh, a quaffron, I think, and then um, uh, then the long distance, all part of that that sort of festival. And now they've got the PTO European Open, and of course the big news. Um, Jan Frodeno taking off, taking on Gustav Eden, Christian Blumenfeld. Now, it'll be, you know, that's not official. <laughs> PTO hasn't officially said that, but it sure just heck looks like that based on um, Jan Frodeno sort of getting on to Instagram and inviting those guys and, and Christian, well, it was, you know, uh, Christian kind of... So I, um, Jan Frodeno said, Hey, you know, I, I need a wild card. You, can you guys help me out? And Christian said, Oh, of course I, I'll get, I'll get you into the race and I'll see you there. So we're assuming that we're going to see those three, uh, racing there, which will be huge. It would be. And it, it's, you know, the, the race is going to get that's the, the traditional hundred K PTO, uh, look about it, which only leaves 18 Ks on the run. Um, and it's just, it, it's, yeah, the hundred k is just a, is not not a stroll. It's just it's flat out. It's it'll be uh, a real um, knockout scenario, won't it? It'll be just on from the start. They can go yes. flat out every time they get on a bike, the three of them, and then the run will just be who can stand there. It'll be like uh, Ali, you know, just slugging. Yeah, away. well, it, you know, you have to you have to assume um, that uh, Jan's going to be out of the water um, ahead of those guys. Uh, but I, you know, I, I don't see him holding them off on the bike. Um, and then, yeah. So then it, it turns into this 18 K speed fest and, you know, Jan Frodeno of, um, a few years back when he had that, you know, ran that 66 minute, excuse me, half, half marathon to, to beat, um, uh, Brownlee and, um, oh, help me out. Who else? Uh, but was that was in, in South that, Africa, right? In South Africa. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, taking a mind blank. Anyway, you know, that that many people consider that possibly one of the greatest um, long distance races of all time. And, um, you know, at 41, is Jan that same athlete? I'm certainly not going to bet against it, but, you know, I don't know if he's going to have quite the same firepower um but sure is going to be fun to see and it will be a question is that and that and look you know that that question we could say about uh you know when we talk about Gwen Jorgensen too um it's what they come back of you know now he's not stepped out of racing as long as Jorgensen I understand that um but it's um certainly going to be challenging for him because he's stepping back into a fast moving stream um 
but you're right. The 66 that he ran in South Africa was at the 70.3 world title. Javier Gomez. There we go. I apologize. Yeah, I mean, he... And he's still, in my book, he's still the most complete and best triathlete in the world next to... um, I've had a mental blank. Oh, my God. I can't believe I've just blanked on um, Barclay. Um, they're the two yeah two best of that two best package wise right like so the full when I say best pro I'm talking about best media best um, uh, performance best just everything they do is amazing and I think those two hold the uh, the baton as the two best all-round triathletes in in our in our sport right now because everything they do is awesome um, so yeah he still is the top and Frodo is, he'd be, he's a racer. He'd be licking his lips right now, wouldn't he, Kevin? Absolutely. It's, it's, you know, this guy, it was, you know, when he won Kona in, um, in 2019, I just assumed that was it. Like, you know, he just set the course record, um, going out with a bang is what I, I just kind of felt like was going to happen. And, he, uh, you know, right afterwards when I was interviewing him, it was like, absolutely not. I will be back next year and, you know, I want to want to keep doing this. And um, I I was totally surprised with that and thought it was a mistake at the time. And boy, was I ever wrong because, you know, he had he had some pretty impressive racing that um, uh, was it 2021 with the, um, you know, his little challenge against Lionel and all that kind of stuff. So it's really too bad the pandemic threw a kink in everything because I think we would have seen some pretty amazing racing. And then, you know, it, it's just so funny when I see people making comments that he's ducking the Norwegians. And, <laughs> um, you know, it's just like, Ugh. You know, the guy who, you know, the only people more disappointed than than the fans that he couldn't race in Kona were the Norwegians and Jan. Like, those guys are all chomping at the bit to to race against each other. They just love it. They love, uh, you know, testing themselves to those kind of limits. So, yeah. yeah. Anybody believes Frodeno's ducking anything is an idiot because he's just not, like you said, he's... The guy's hardcore, man. Like he, the the night before he saw the dates, two days before his first Kona, we're up in uh, in his sponsor's house and we were um, having a chat to him. And I just, I what stru- struck me about him was two things. A, he was just there was a something about the bloke. Of course, he was you know already great. Um, the second part too was that he was um, just so relaxed, man. That guy, whew, calm blue ocean. You know, calm blue ocean for what he was about to do and try. It was just so calm. Um, and what a contrast, because straight after him, I interviewed Pete Jacobs and like, <laughs> bad boy. <laughs> oh, the albino tiger. What a legend he was, uh, Pete Jacobs. It's a ripping bloke too. Good. You know, he, I, you know, when he won his Kona, Kevin, um, I remember standing there, you know, in the media throng and I think he'd done his television and there was like an ESPN waiting to next. And he just goes, nah, Phil, you can come next. I'm like, a, I turn around and, you know, little me rolling in there next to ESPN. I think I might've given him a bit of a smart ass wink or something as I walked over there. So um, big shout out to the Albino Tiger, Pete Jacobs. Um, Kevin, more to come to. You were down, were you correct? You went down to the arena game. Is that right? I did. Yes. Yeah. I was you... down there this weekend in Montreal 
Okay, um, so for those of us who know nothing about your third world country, Canada, um, tell me where's Montreal sit and give us a little quick sketch of what Montreal brings to the table. Montreal uh, in Quebec, uh, that's where I was born, so I'm a little biased, but um, I consider it North America's greatest city. Um, absolutely love the spot. Um, and uh, it has, you know, this beautiful French-Canadian mix of everything. Um, yeah, if you if you ever have a chance when you come to Canada, to me, it's it's the city to to take in and you get up on what they call the mountain and there's just the spectacular view of the city. Um, then there's Old Montreal, which is where they hold the WTCS race. Um, and they held the uh, the World Sprint Championships down there. And just picturesque little part of this uh, this big city. And so, you know, kind of appropriate that Montreal that that hosts the, um, the World Triathlon event here in Canada. Um, the big one um, would put on these arena games and uh, it was, you know, a really interesting show. It was, the show was completely 100% stolen by, uh, by Lionel Sanders, um, which uh, as I just finished writing in my, uh, in my editorial was sort of ironic considering the, the super league vision. So super league, are the folks who own and put on these arena games and in conjunction with world triathlon. Um, And uh, their vision with all of this is to get people excited about short course racing so that, you know, you know, as, as uh, their CEO, Michael Dulst puts it, uh, they, they want to make short course cool again. And um, so to me, it was just so ironic that, here we, you know, we want to make short course cool again. And how are we going to do it in Canada? We're going to bring a long course athlete in to get everyone <laughs> excited. Um, and, uh, but yeah, he, he 100% stole the show, came sixth, you know, um, and Tamara Jewett, I totally hear what you were saying. She made a comment on our Facebook saying, you know, kind of a shame that you guys are, you know, highlighting in your headlines and, and in your stories, that Lionel comes sixth, and meanwhile, uh, Dominika Jamnicki, another Canadian, ends up third, has this amazing performance. But, um, you know, in terms of the, the the big news from the event and, and what everyone was going to click on, it was all Lionel all the time. Like, the excitement that he generated for this thing was amazing. I must say, I saw footage of it, and i got to say, there's, you know, like when he's on the bike and they're just like hovering around him, it's got to be frustrating. Uh, so you mean when, when all of us media types are right on top of him? Yeah, like I was sitting there going, oh man, they've just like, you're literally got your, you know, you're at full RPM. There's blood coming out of your ears and there's some dude like you with a camera and you are right now. I mean, look, he, he did well to shut it out. He is a beast though, isn't he? Like, up you know what? When you see it up close, dude, you are one hundred percent wrong. He loved it. Just yeah. he was, he was in his element. Like I started my interview with him um, after the race, saying, "You know, we all know you want to be an MMA fighter, and this is the closest you're ever going to get to that." And he was like, "Absolutely!" Like the, 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 you know, it wasn't a huge crowd in this thing, but it was it was a decent sized crowd and. They were all going crazy for the Quebec athletes and, and Dommy Jam. Nikki got a huge, 
huge cheer, but the place was just rocking. And when he took the lead at one point in the final, like had this, you know, epic bike ride, um, I think he set the 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 record on, on the bike, like a 504 or something for the 4K bike on Zwift. Um, I think he did that in the heats, but, um, you know, just like these, you know, watts per kilogram over six um, on one of the bike legs and, um, you know, moves to the lead. The place went nuts. And um, so, yeah, he was, he was loving it. And um, yeah. And Hey, I, I wasn't like Darren. Uh, I can't think of Darren's last name. That camera guy who shoots for Super League <laughs> during one of the warmups, it was hilarious. He grabbed his uh, his wide angle lens and literally was like his the lens must have been two centimeters from from Lionel's nose while he was on the bike. Didn't phase Lionel at all. He was just powering away. So yeah, it, yeah I mean. Cool. He's awesome as hell. And look, it would annoy the shit out of me. I just would hate to think like I'm sitting there, like try not to die. And, you know, some dudes that close, it looked really, really congested and, you know, but I mean, I understand and I understand the commentary around him, but you know, versus um, other athletes, but you're right. He was the story. He was the story the whole, um, the whole time. Yeah. And, and I'm, and I'm trying to catch up because there's, and there's so many amazing stories and I haven't, I'll finish getting there today um, with more of my inter- interviews and stuff, but, you know, Chase McQueen, uh, American who ended up winning just fantastic. And then you've got um, Gina Sereno and those two are a couple. So this you know, awesome story of this couple winning, <laughs> winning the event gets completely lost. Mm-hmm. Um Henry Schumann is back after two horrible years. I can't wait. No, I can't wait to write this up. That's an awful thing to say, but just so inspirational. I had a great chat with him after the race. Um, you know, the things that he has gone through in terms of the injuries and fighting depression, you know, over, over all of the stuff that he's um, had to deal with over the last couple of years uh, to see him back. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm just crossing my fingers that world triathlon can find him a wild card spot so he can race in Abu Dhabi this weekend. Just a great story. And then, uh, you know, young Jack Stanton stock, um, the only person who hurt more than, uh, or as much as Lionel Sanders in the event, like he just left it all out there as well to, to get on that podium. So yeah, just a bunch of great stories, but it was, uh, it was all Lionel all the time in terms of uh, in terms of coverage that and you know that's what people wanted to see. Yeah, and that's right. And he does bring something to it, isn't he? He's such a. I was watching some of his social media the other day. I must have been bored. Um, and it really is good, and he's a good package. And there's um, I don't know. Again, I talk about Fredino and that being great but he's also very very accomplished well, you know this is this is what i you know, you know when you were talking about jan and and lucy charles barkley um yeah they, they're probably king of the kings and queens of the hill in terms of instagram and and certainly with sponsors like those are the those are the ones the sponsors are clamoring for but in terms of youtube you know lionel in one of his videos um uh, you know, said, Oh, I'm, I'm not a pro triathlete. I'm a video creator or whatever, YouTube, YouTube producer. And, you know, he and Talbot Cox are killing it 
on yeah. that front. Uh, no yeah. one, no one is close to what they're doing in terms of um, YouTube views in our sport. Um, so, yeah, they, they've got that whole thing dialed in and, and Super League was jumping on board, um, as is the PTO. Um, you know, it, it's interesting how you know, Talbot Cox has had had his issues with Iron Man and stuff, but they're still clamoring to give him access um, at, at when Lionel's racing at events because, you know, everyone wants to jump on board with uh, what they're doing. Yeah, and so, look, it's that sort of, I mean, they, they bring a lot to it, don't they? And events are going to jump on that because they bring a lot to it and they bring a lot digitally as well. Um, and he's also, um, and I also think he's one of those guys who, as you said, he kind of froths on it. He kind of gets off on 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 being that and, and that's his jam and he really likes it. And while you've got someone who's engaged as well, and you're right, Talbot Cox is um, between, they, they do make a good, uh, you know, some good digital content as well, which as we all know, the sponsors love, but it's also interesting as well. I mean, and, and it's hard because the world at the moment is so full of everything. So um, when you see something that's really good and, and is actually well put together, um, you're going to jump on it, aren't you? Yeah, and and it's and it's just it's an interesting sign of the times, right? Because everyone is just so desperate for hits, and um, you know this is what uh, drives me nuts at times because you know this is what my job is dependent on. Yeah, um, and so you know we there's so much amazing stuff that gets produced that we throw up on our site that you know doesn't attract people at all and and um you know and and, and as you know as i was just pointing out you know tamara you uh, excellent point like why the heck are you pointing out or making all this noise about yeah our lionel when you know dami jam nikki just had the race of her life and couldn't agree more but uh we're we're in this position where we're uh you know we're we're dependent on on getting these hits to keep the advertising going and keep the people coming and yada, yada, yada. So it's, it's a, it's a weird time on that front. Uh, but Lionel and Talbot have figured it out and, um, are taking, you know, taking, they're taking the ball and running with it on that front and more power to them. Congrats. You know, they're, do they're yeah, doing and, I see job. and hopefully we, I can use this as a segue to <laughs> who was the person that Talbot started that whole process with. Gwen Jorgensen. Ah, so. there it is. And can I say before, just before we get there too, I see a lot of social media on um on in triathlon, and I tell you now, the engagement that people get generally is garbage. Like in cycling and in other sports, um, you see engagement everywhere, right? Like it's big numbers of likes, big numbers of those sorts of comments around it, and you see the average triathlete will get a hundred likes, fifty likes. You know, and I know it's not everything's about likes, but it's the only metric you can actually see. But those boys are, are racking up some big numbers, which is awesome. Uh, someone else, who's we said, who has uh, a beautiful history in the sport and has come back after uh, the 2016 gold medal. Now, let's be let's be clear on this. She hasn't exactly been sitting on the couch doing nothing. Uh, she's making her own people. And after she made her own people, she's back in town and decided to come back to triathlon, Kevin. Yeah, she's made two people <laughs> along the way. And uh, four months after the birth of George, I'm, I hope I'm going to get this right. So George, and then um, George has an older brother named Stanley. 
And I think Stanley's four. I feel like he was born in, uh, or maybe he's banging on five now. I feel like he was born in 2017. Um, yeah. And so, you know, had Stan, she had Stanley focused on running for a bunch of years. Uh, that was the big goal to try and make the uh, marathon team. And for the Tokyo Olympics, um, you know, she ended up, you know, playing around with the track and running the five and the 10 K had a lot of injury issues and the running thing. I don't think quite panned out the way that she had hoped. And, um, she, uh, you know, her original vision, uh, her husband, Pat, uh, Pat Lemieux, kind of said to her one day, wouldn't it be cool if you were on that mixed relay team in, in Paris? And she was like, yeah, that's awesome. So, you know, I think she got really pumped up about going after the mixed relay team, only to find that you know, for her to be on that team, she needs to also make the individual team. Um, but she just sort of took that in stride and said, yeah, I, I, I want to go for it. So uh, nice comeback down in your neck of the woods and beautiful Taupo. Mm-hmm. I've spent time with you down there and uh, love that spot and uh, just came, just made the podium in our first race back. So pretty it's exciting. Good, yeah, it's a good, I, look again, you know, you wonder about the, we did talk about this a little bit with um, Frodo, but you know, you wonder about what just running, obviously, you know, like when I say just running, I know she's running at an elite level. But it's obviously the sport's moved as well. And it'll be interesting to see how, how this unfolds because the sport does move with meteoric force sometimes. Um, and, you know, she's going to have to be good enough to come back. But, God, I mean, third at first time out looks like, you know, there's a lot left in the tank here. And as you know, your first couple of races, you're still shaking things out. There's still there's a lot to figure out and a lot to work out. And she's probably got um, a lot more improvement in her. Um, but I'm still a bit dirty at her. I did pick against her in the 2016 Olympics. Uh, you know, we've talked it out. She seems pretty okay with it, but, um, yeah. So good luck to her going forward, Kevin. It'll be, it is a different world now, right? Um, it was, you know, and that world was on its way. So 2016, she wins the Olympics, but, uh, Flora Duffy wins the, wins the world championship. Thanks to, a big win in Cozumel at the, uh, at the grand final. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, Flora did, did what Flora does biked away. Um, and I don't know if it was sort of pack dynamics or, or how that whole thing uh, worked out. Gwen was, uh, she was not a happy camper after that race, um, for sure. And, you know, justifiably so, but, um, you know, this is, there's, she will need to be much more all round. It's not like she was, I'm not trying to imply in any way, shape or form that she was a weak cyclist or whatever, but um, you know, the, the days of coming back from a big run deficit are, are done in this sport. So, you know, you've, you've pretty much got to be within a few seconds of the, of the run leader or else, especially Flora Duffy, she, think she had the fastest run at the at the olympics right so yeah um she's killing it on the bike and then following it up with a pretty amazing run so um but um you know if as i said i think her big goal is she wants to be on a gold medal relay team and um and that is uh very much uh a realistic 
goal, I, I would think, uh, for her on that front. But but the big challenge is it's, you know, the U.S. team is not, not unlike the British team, right? They have so many amazing athletes. So yeah. uh, just making the team is going to be, is going to be challenge number one, including, you know, she's got to take on Gino Sereno, Gina Sereno, who, who won this weekend. Uh, she's off to Abu Dhabi this weekend. And, um, um, you know, there's a, there's, you know, another former runner. So uh, Gina Sereno is following in the Gwen Jorgensen footsteps. Um, USA triathlon doing a great job of, of finding the Gwen Jorgensen's of the world amazing runners who have a swimming background and throwing them in the mix. Yeah. It's hey, look, anytime you add to the talent pool, right? You're winning and the other countries are going to suck and it's going to be a race in two countries. And that's pretty much where you would think the sport lies at the moment. It's, Oh yeah. So much like they, they are just doing so much on the, uh, on the bike, right? Like you got to be front of the pack and then out of the water and then, ready to hammer on that bike and if you're not ready for that um you know don't come to the party if you want to be on that podium <laughs> exactly um and there's races coming up though kevin uh, before we pack this one away um new zealand and south africa yeah so south africa the big news um alistair brownlee i think uh that's sort of the uh it'll be f- very interesting to see where he's at. You know, it's it's easy to to think that Alistair's Alistair Brownlee's sort of long distance career hasn't been, you know, as you know, it just obviously hasn't been as stellar as as the short course stuff with two Olympic golds and all of that stuff. But it, people forget that. He's won three of the four Ironmans that he started. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> that's that's pretty good. Um, it is. It, but it, you can, like, you know, you, you, you're looking at, you know, someone like Neil Armstrong who's flying around in a, in a, you know, in a Cessna. Do you know what I mean? Like he's gone to the moon in Olympic distance and he was, you know, yeah, better than anybody versus the wins that he's had, which are credible, no doubt. But, you know, that's the comparison. You know, you see the name Brownlee and you expect, you know, you expect him rocketing to the moon, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I, it, I just find it extremely interesting. Another, uh, yeah, he's, he's a, a very interesting guy, man. Like, you know, his book is, um, I was shocked to sort of spend more time with him because uh, I didn't you know, really have a chance to interview him very much during his short course days and all that stuff. But um, this is a guy, he's, he's a, a very smart dude. And uh, there's a lot more going on than just being a, a, a great triathlete. So um, yeah, it, very fascinating. And I am really going to be watching how things go in South Africa and if he can figure this, uh, this stuff out, because man, if he can, um, I, I think it, it'll be pretty awesome. I just think, you know, and I, I, I have talked with a number of folks it, it just, it's just the way he runs that I think is, is a big challenge to stay injury free for this long distance stuff. Like if his heel comes within three centimeters of the ground, every running step, um, I would be shocked. Like he is so up on his toes when he runs. 
Um, and I think it just puts a lot of stress on his body and, and makes it really hard for him to, to stay injury free. So do you think he's changed? Do you think like when I, when he raced the, the Olympic distance stuff, um, you know, with the world triathlon, uh, he was a lot, was he a lot, he had a real like swagger, didn't he? Like he had a real, him and his brother had like, they were really like, Mac used to tell stories and there's guys just wandering around running the show, you know, and being very, um, you know, dominant, both on the bike, they would yell at people not taking turns and things like that. Do you reckon he's changed a lot? Um, yeah, you know, I, I, I don't know that I can truly answer that. Cause as I said, I d- really didn't see them that much. I did, you know, the, the little bit of the coverage that, you know, cause I was in the Ironman world and then it wasn't until 2015, 2016 that I started to have a chance to cover more of those events. So I really only saw them at the tail end of that whole short course thing. And I, and I totally know what you're talking about. Like you would hear that, that lead pack go by and, Alistair and Johnny would just be yelling at everyone. It seemed like mostly Alistair about, you know, take your pull and, you know, this is where you need to be and, and all that kind of stuff. They were definitely the, uh, the generals or the, the leaders of that, of that whole thing. And um, I, yeah, there was a swagger to them. You know, I, I do remember in, you know, interviewing people, especially before 2012, um, everyone that I would talk to, I would say, so what's your plan to beat the Brownleys? Because for two years, I watched those guys win races in every single way possible. They would take off right from the start of the swim. They would take off um, during the bike. They would wait until the end of the bike and then take off at the start of the run. They would wait until the last hundred meters of the run and out sprint people. They went through every single possible race scenario over a two year period leading up to London to make sure that they had it covered. <laughs> so, yeah. and, and they won, they, they just kept winning. Right. Um, so, you know, I'd say to Javier Gomez, like, what's your race plan? They, they've got you, they seem to have everything covered. Um, so yeah, pretty, pretty impressive guys. So I, I do get the feeling that long distance has changed that, you know, there isn't anywhere near that same kind of, swagger um but uh i think there is certainly the confidence i think i think alistair when he when he is fit and feels fit he takes a ton of confidence into an event and as he should like if he's fit he can you know like at the uh the canadian open last year the guy was ripping it on the bike um and things fell apart for him on the run i can't remember if it was injury or no it was he got um he had cramps, cramp issues uh, there on the run. Um, but he was like, he just rode away from everybody. Yeah. Um, so yeah, guys, uh, when he's on, it's frightening to see. Yeah. And I think, you know, there'll be no one who is surprised what he gets up to. Um, if he's fit, there's just not, he's just, yeah, it's ridiculous. And I think, uh, you know, I, I haven't had a really big look at uh, what's going on down in Taupo in terms of the field, other than um, Cameron Brown going to do his 25th Ironman New Zealand and then call it a career. And um, I think he's going to be racing as a, as a pro, right? Um, yeah. Have so. you seen his Instagram, though? Have you seen the workouts that guy does? Like, he it's... I know he's in his late hundreds, but he still like gets after it. Like he's, you know, still in his 
early twenties. Yeah, it, it, it is amazing. He is, uh, it is really too bad that the North American crew did not get to see more of Cameron Brown. Like, you know, I got to, I think I covered uh, Ironman New Zealand 12 years in a row and, and got to see a bunch of those, um, a bunch of his wins um, yeah. over there. And yeah, the guy, not only a class act, um, but just an impressive act. Like he's, he's, he's pretty awesome. So it's uh, yeah, I, I I'm really looking forward to uh, checking that out. Correct. Um, and South Africa, of course, to one of the early season favorite races for, uh, for the Ironman world. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I'm trying to remember um, the, uh, the women's field there. I feel like it's, uh, I feel like Fenella Langridge is one of the favorites down there. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I'm trying to remember who the other person that we're going to be keeping. Oh, Laura Phillip. There we go. I did want, this is someone I did want to mention. So yeah. Laura Phillip um, heading down to South Africa. There's another person who I think she's won every um, full distance race. Actually, I think she's only done Ironman races that she's done other than Kona, finished fourth in Kona twice, fourth in her first time there, fourth last year, despite getting um, a penalty that a lot of people were kind of scratching their head over. Yeah. Um, she, uh, when she won Ironman Hamburg last year, she missed Chrissy Wellington's record by, I think it was seven seconds, six or seven seconds, might've been eight. Um, but uh, like she is the real deal as well. And, um, you know, she'll be one of the highlights for challenge growth later this year. Um, so keep your eyes on, um, on Laura Phillip. She is, uh, someone to watch and a very, very potential, um, world champion, I guess, Kona for, for them this year. Mm-hmm. Um, that and the openings for Abu Dhabi as well. Yes, World Triathlon Championship Series starts in uh, Abu Dhabi, and uh, let the games begin. Like it, it's uh, qualifying, getting very, very serious now uh, for the for the Paris Olympics, and so um, this is a huge weekend for triathlon fans. Absolutely, so uh, going to be a busy one. We might have more to talk about next week, Kevin, when we uh, reconvene this uh, this conversation. Cannot wait. <laughs> Thanks so much for giving us a listen wherever you are in the world. We appreciate you. Um, we are on Instagram as well if you want to catch anything there. And Kevin, of course, is on the Twitter. Uh, Kevin, nice to have you back from the wilds of Montreal. And uh, we'll chat to you next week. I'm looking forward to it, sir. So... Have a great rest of your week, and and thanks for all this. And great um, Instagram posts, by the way. You uh, know what you're doing on that social media front. <laughs> Barely. <laughs> thanks very much, guys. Life of Triad Instagram. Don't forget, too, Triathlon Magazine Canada is the place to go where Kevin lives and breathes the sport of triathlon. No one does it better than our man, Kevin. We'll catch you in a week's time. Take care, and uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to The Life of Tri. If you like us, tell your mates and follow us on Instagram at The Life of Tri.